This is Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. Now in our second decade of bringing you the best independent New York Red Bulls news and opinion with your hosts, Mark Fishkin and Joe Goldstein. It's a whole new year, man. It's Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup. I'm Mark Fishkin. I'm here with Joe Goldstein kicking off our 14th season of covering your New York Red Bulls. Tonight on the show, still the off season, but there's a lot to talk about. The captain departs again. Aaron Long has taken his talents to LAFC. We'll look back on Long's time as a New York Red Bull. With just days to go before training camp begins, we'll take a look at the Red Bull's depth chart. And since we last spoke, there's been a homegrown signing and maybe another on the way. And draft picks, we got them. Will they ever see first-team minutes? Uh, and then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Sasha Kluschen, former captain of the Red Bulls, who retired from the game today. Again, I'm Mark. He's Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, Mark. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Have uh, What have you been doing? What's going on? Uh, you know, just the standard moving from place to place and seeing people in large numbers. <laughs> I've been watching uh, votes uh, go the wrong way for about three days now in um, in D.C. And, I mean, the, the, I thought these guys knew all about winning. I don't know. Yeah, not uh, not so much. It's, it's kind of fun. Couldn't happen a nicer bunch. There you go. There you go. Well, Aaron Long is long gone. Uh, to the surprise of no one, uh, Aaron, former, now Red Bull, completed his tour of duty with New York and really – a tremendous, tremendous body of work uh, when you think about the fact that he was the 2016 USL champion um, along with that amazing class. He, he jumped to MLS that year. He was the 2018 Defender of the Year uh, when the Red Bulls won their most recent Shield. He was an all-star that, that year and also this past year. And, oh, by the way, he made the, the World Cup team and was in guitar. I didn't see him in it but um, a valuable member of the squad nonetheless. Um, all in all, Aaron made 175 first-team appearances with 14 goals and six assists. He is seventh on the all-time all-comps appearance list, sandwiched nicely between Dane Richards and John Wallenach. And just keep in mind that he missed, as I know our listeners know, most of the 2021 season with an Achilles tear, with a horrible, horrible injury. And... Um, you know, Aaron Long uh, became a star with the New York Red Bulls, first under Jesse, became a captain this past year. Um, obviously, a little bit of some interesting contract challenges, as we all know that Long wanted to go to Europe and play uh, in England, and there was interest. Uh, the club not so keen to letting him go, and Aaron was very keen to move on at the end of his most recent contract. Joe, what did Aaron Long mean to the Red Bulls? I mean, when you are looking at a locker room, you're talking about a guy who can uh, help keep a group, you know, together and sort of optimistic even when things were down. I think that's very much Aaron. And on the field, I mean, he, he always left it all out there. I don't think, I, I don't think there was too many times in his entire Red Bull stint that you saw, Aaron, you know, give up on a play there. There's not a lot of that. And, um, for me personally, because that 2016 team was so uh, special for me, that's when I started raising bulls. And so like that team, I really, we were all over following them. And it was and, a phenomenal know, team. 
became very close to a lot of those players. So, uh, it's sad. It's like seeing your child move on for me. Um, but it was great to see him grow. I think, you know, a little bit, uh, uh, of luck and happenstance to get him into the first team when he first came on. Yeah. Um, just injuries meant that he had to play and, you know, true to his nature, he showed up and, uh, from that moment forward, he was pretty much an automatic starter. Uh, they are, they're definitely going to miss him. I think, I think we've seen that, uh, Reyes and Nealis can be a good backline together. Uh, and there's a big question about how they're going to, uh, move forward, if they're going to stay with three center backs or not. Yeah. I, I think I, th- I'd be curious, obviously, to see exactly how they do it because I think there's a little bit of a hole. Actually, it's a big hole. Uh, left without Aaron. I mean, Aaron was a guy who it, our listeners remember was originally a midfielder. Yeah. Uh, Jesse Marsh converted him to a central defender and he took to it incredibly well. And while no one would accuse him of being a, a high powered assist machine, um, he was deft enough with his feet in the center to play the kind of system that, that New York needed obviously as he's moved on in years, which is crazy to say uh, based on the amount of times, six full seasons in New York, um, you know, watching Brandon Vasquez smoke him for the goal that sunk the Red Bulls, I think in in this past year's playoffs really kind of um, personified that it, it was probably time for both, both the team and the player to kind of move on. But again, uh, top 10 all-time in assists for this team was here for the good times and here for some less good times, but a very, very important player, and we wish him well. Um, he matured as an interview subject slowly. Uh, <laughs> I, will, I will not soon forget the first time interviewing him, and I think – Got to ask him, I think, 20 questions in 15 minutes. He was not <laughs> exactly a polished uh, media interview or not, not someone that really, frankly, cared much to talk to the press. And he did improve on that, especially as he sent it to captain. But, you know, consider Aaron is now the fifth straight captain uh, since Dax to either be sent away or voluntarily leave. I, you know, the last captain before Dax was Thierry Henry, who um, retired from the game, ret- retired as a Red Bull. Uh, since then, Dax was sent away. Sasha was sent away. Luis was released so he could join Miami. Sean Davis was dazzled by the private jets of Nashville SC. And Aaron said, thank you very much. And I think it, it says something about where this team is right now that players are frankly willing to walk away. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And, you know, long being on this end of his career, being able to go back home to California and be closer to family probably makes that decision even easier. But yeah, I know, I know that, uh, the style of play for the Red Bulls, uh, it wears down players pretty heavily. And yep. you could you could definitely see that. You brought up a great example of watching him uh, get smoked in the playoffs. Uh, you know, you give it your all, you run for as long as you can, but uh, eventually things are going to start to break down. And I think uh, if you're Aaron Long and the MLS Cup champions 
come call are willing them. to sign you. Yeah. yeah, and obviously they are far more ambitious than the Red Bulls. Yeah. Uh, you know, you try to get that shot at, at, at winning a cup. Yep. Yep, indeed. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for your service, as they say. Uh, the Red Bulls 2023 training camp opens on Saturday. That's less than 48 hours away. Uh, the folks at, uh, at MLSsoccer.com put together a handy-dandy chart outlining the Red Bulls' current roster and depth at different positions. And I thought it was uh, it was so nice, thanks, Matt Doyle, that we would kind of spend a few minutes going through. Um, Joe, where, where, would, where should we start our review of what we see for the current team as it stands today? Well, I guess if we want to finish uh, in a more positive note, we should start from the back and move forward. All right. Um, Carlos Coronel, clearly the team's number one. Um, in my mind, a candidate for captain. I think it's going to be Sean Nealis will be the next captain, but a candidate for captain. Um, Coronel back in the U.S. earlier today, as per his Instagram. Um, Ryan Mara and A.J. Marcucci are the three uh, keepers. There's there's no change here from the last few seasons for New York, and, and I think that's that's good news, right? Yeah. Yeah, if, I, if any consistency within the roster is a good thing. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, the way that the depth chart is lined up here is with the 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, Nealis and Reyes are clearly penned in as two of the three, and there are three question marks uh, in the middle. Uh, Matt Nasita is with this team, all seven foot plus of him. It will be very interesting to see what he can do um, as he steps in. Big Haas, Hassan and Dom, is back with the club. Uh, never really truly MLS ready in his uh, career from uh, being in New York and then taking off and returning. And then, of course, Dylan Nealis, who is a defender. I don't know if he's a center back, Joe. No, I don't think that... Any of the times that he looked his best last year was while he was playing center back. It's nice that he can be a utility guy that can fill in there, but obviously there's going to be or need to be additions uh, heading into the season. It Nealis and Reyes starting along a four-man back line. Not good. Okay. Not Dylan Nealis. Sean Nealis. Sean Nealis, right. Um, but Nealis, Reyes, Nealis on that back line, I start to pucker, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So it's early for that. It's early yeah. in the year for that. Um, all right, our, let's go for the winbacks yet. Um, John Tolkien is is still a Red Bull. Uh, got the red and white beads in his cornrows in the Virgin Islands this week or whatever, wherever he was. Um, should be quite a sight as he returns to camp. Um, Ofori, the uh, homegrown signing, will be behind him at left back, and we're going to talk about um, Jaden Reed in a few minutes, a recent homegrown signing. On the right, there's word that, in fact, Kyle Duncan is going to be loaned back to New York um, in front of Dylan Nealis and, and Cam Harper at that spot. Um, Duncan did not favor and feature a whole lot down the stretch for Gerhard Struber. It, it was shocking to me that New York would consider bringing him back because because of his you know, going forward fine, but I think a little suspect in the back. And it just seemed a strange choice for me, Joe. It is a strange choice. And I wonder if um, part of what we saw at the end of last year was just not enough game time 
for Duncan before he got here uh, and incredibly rusty, but I, he he would have been prone to defensive errors um, in with some regularity when he was at his best with right. New York. That's right. Um, so it, it's a little bit of a puzzling move. I mean, it could be like a Tom Edwards type, uh, you know, we need someone here now as we're trying to figure out what we're going to do for the year. But I mean, yeah, Duncan, Nealis, and Harper. I wouldn't even. Re- I know Cam Harper played there a couple times last year, but he should be further up the pitch. Um, that that's not great in terms of depth. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not great. <laughs> that's not great. Um, in the middle, we've got. I, I think there's where there is a bit of de- of depth. Daniel Edelman, I think, clearly is a starter. Christian Castres Jr., if he remains a Red Bull, he will also be penciled in as a starter. Um, also, Frankie Amaya is here. Drew Yearwood is here. Um, Matt Doyle penciled in uh, Bento Estrella here, who's yet to get a first-team <laughs> minute. He's 16 now, 17? I think 17. Yeah. And then uh, some more question marks about Peter Stroud, who we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um there is depth here, and yeah. um, and and you know Carmona's possibility here too. Yeah, I think so. I th- I prefer him in the middle rather than on the outside like that. Um, I'm surprised. I mean, it's a little bit of shade, I think, from from Matt dropping Yearwood to yeah to, uh, to number to... three on that behind someone who's not with the team yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, I mean, Yearwood that's a, can be a starter and has been a starter on this team. Yeah, I think that he has a similar kind of uh, issue like Duncan, where when he makes mistakes, they could be really big and bad mistakes. But he adds a lot of value uh, to the team defensively and going forward. Maybe a little bit more um, a discipline in terms of of the way that he defends and not picking up so many silly cards. Uh, but yeah, I I still like that middle of the field. I think that it's a good core there. Yearwood Amaya behind Edelman and Caceres is is definitely a good thing to have, yeah, and sure. provides rotation. Yep. Let's look uh, for attacking wings. Luquinas is there, and hopefully, will return to his early form last season when he arrived, which is being a difference maker. Um, Omir Fernandez still in the club, and Serge Goma, who hopefully after having many, many months off, is ready to go at the start of the year and really can show Red Bull fans what he can do. And on the other side, Lewis Morgan, I mean, where would this team be without him right now? And there's Wiki Carmona, Joe. Yeah, I think this is where I would do some shuffling. So Carmona should go into the middle, like you said, and I would put Ngoma on either this wing or even as a striker. Mm. Um <laughs> I we need we need good uh, players here. Lucinius and Morgan are good players. Uh, Lucinius, when he is uh, at his best, is phenomenal. He, he's he's very very good. He's quick. He's great in tight uh, spaces. Uh, he just can't fade like he did last year. And now, how much of that is just an offense that couldn't shoot straight? How much of that is you know difficulty adjusting to the league? We're going to find out this year. Yep. Um, hopefully, hopefully it's just a product of um, the former, and uh, we'll see him do a little bit better with with Manuel and Burke and whoever else is going to play. Up well, top. let's let's talk about the the forward core right now. Uh, Manuel again, who has not officially been announced, uh, 
True. As returning to the team, but he is here and he will be on this team. I I don't ink drawing. I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> there's Corey Burke from Philadelphia. Tom Barlow is on this team. Barlow is now after Mara and Long's departure. Barlow is the most tenured Red Bull on this roster, I think. Uh, uh, maybe Omir? I have to look. I think Omir is before him. Okay. But he's, um, he's part yeah. of the furniture, my man. I'm sure everybody in the fandom is so happy about that. And then fourth on this depth chart is Patrick Klamala. I really, I really rooted for him last season heading into the year. And, you know, he had a couple of moments early on. It was very promising. Uh, but what a uh, complete drop off by the end of the year. Couldn't even get on the pitch. I can't, I can't blame them for putting Barlow above Klamala here. It's a little bit different than the Yearwood Stroud situation, I would say. Um, I, they, they either need to uh, move on from him. Uh, well, the question I, I is, don't know. is there know. anyone that would take him or do they, you know, leave him at the Vince Lombardi, you know, pit stop on the turnpike and just, <laughs> and just drive away? Yeah. I mean, you know, at a certain point, I mean, there's enough, there's you, enough churches in New Jersey. You could just drop them off. You know, in a basket on the front steps. Drop somewhere. him in Garfield. He can play for Vistula and be very happy and uh, you know, playing with the Polish club. And I, yeah. Remember how last summer he spent so much time or last winter training with the Polish national team coaches to get his shooting That's right. Boots? That's right. Eep. Okay. Eep. So it's a picture of a team that, it's a picture of a a very, very young, to the surprise of no one, um, team that has a few bright spots and a few holes that could certainly give it a go. Um, remember, the East is 15 teams this year and that Nashville has returned to the East. And so, I mean, we, we can say this, we, we say this some years, I don't necessarily think that this is a playoff team right now i may be proven wrong i think there there needs to be help i don't know how much help is coming listen if help is Corey burke the re-signing of kyle duncan and some homegrown signings and that's it that's yeah, not great you know what but and then we it is there another team where there could be less turnover than the Red Bulls uh, who finished fourth fourth in the East yeah. where you would feel so pessimistic. I don't know, but I think it's warranted. I think that it's been like this for the last couple of years heading into preseason. It's just this huge question mark of what are we going to get? We, yeah. All right, let's move along. So there were, a, there was a homegrown signing since our last uh, chat. And that was on December 21st. The Red Bulls signed UConn defender and Elmont native Jaden Reed, 21 years old, 5'11", 170. He was signed, it's really kind of interesting, to a one-year homegrown contract with options for the next three years. Um, Reed spent uh, four years at UConn. He appeared 51 times at three goals and seven assists. Um, this past season, his senior year, he made 13 appearances and had one assist, spent five years in the, in the academy where he started with the U-12s. He becomes the 29th homegrown signing in franchise history and the fourth 
during this year. He's the sixth New York native to be on the 2023 roster. So, I mean, upside, this is, the, this is along with Ofori, this is cover for Tolkien's departure. Yeah. And the question is, how quickly can he adjust from the college game to Herr Struber's um, system? And any thoughts in general on Reed? Honestly, I think I think this is going to be more for the MLS next team. I think Ofori is much closer to the pro level. First team ready. Yeah, first team ready than, than Reed. And I say this having not really watched much Reed at all. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. No, no offense out there uh, to Jaden Reed, um, but it, it just seems to me, you know, you sign a guy to a one-year deal. Yeah, it, you're that's, just, a, that's an RBG You're seeing what you're going to get from him, and I'm I'm okay with that. He seems like uh, he is a uh, a strong defender. He seems like somebody who uh, is willing to get up and down the flanks quickly. That's that's Red Bull bread and butter. So um, I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see him stick around. Uh, but I don't know enough about him to to make much of a call. But I think this will be an MLS next uh, signing. Okay. Tommy Scoops, our friend Tom Bogert, reported also on the same day that the Red Bulls were in talks to sign U.S. Youth International and Duke midfielder Peter Stroud to a homegrown deal. Um, it hasn't yet to be announced, and now it's after the holidays. Stroud is 20. Um, he was with the Red Bulls Academy, and then he kind of said, look, I, I don't see a path to a homegrown deal here. I want to try out my time in Europe and spent time with the West Ham U18s before he went to college. His older brother, Jared, as we know, um, played for the Red Bulls. I think he was a fan favorite. I think he was an incredibly hardworking, scrappy player that was additive to the team. And Austin took a, took him off our hands uh, in the expansion draft, and then St. Louis took him off of their hands. Um, so he'll be playing for Bradley Carnell at St. Louis City starting next month. So another Stroud uh, may be making his way to the Red Bulls, Joe. Another Stroud, a uh, different type of player, um, another box-to-box kind of a guy. Um, real A lot of like raw talent. I think that he's somebody that if he comes into the team, uh, again, I think this is more likely an MLS next uh, kind of a signing. Um, but, you know, don't discount, especially at the central midfield position, don't discount those guys who come in um, and drop down immediately because usually grab. the Red Bulls have very good eye for the, for that position. All right. Uh, also who, on the 20 – sorry, Joe. Did we not talk about Steven Strawada? Why is he not on there? Oh, he is on the team. Yeah, and a phenomenal young player. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hmm. What happened, Matt? Come on. Yeah, Matt Doyle. Come on, Matt Doyle. Know the team better. Good call. Okay. Uh, also on the 21st of December, the Red Bulls actually um, t- used all of their three draft picks. These are all players that are most certainly headed um, to, to Red Bulls 2. We haven't received the schedule yet for the MLS Next Now, MLS Next Pro, excuse me, season, pardon me. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see what that experience is like. Nevertheless, Elion Haddock from Yale, goalkeeper, uh, 21st overall. He was a four-year player at Yale. Um, he's from Wisconsin, is three-time All-Ivy League, and the 21 Ivy League Defensive Player of the Year. He had a 0.75 goals against over his time at Yale, which uh, at any level is impressive. 27, 14, and 10. Pretty good. 
Uh, in the second round, New York picked UNC Greensboro defender Ethan Conley with the 50th pick overall. He was a four-year starter there. Started 65 of 73 matches for the – what's the UNC Greensboro mascot? I have no idea. <laughs> the fighting, and then you fill in the blank. I, I'm usually pretty good with this, but I couldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> please hit me up. Uh, he had a goal and four assists and a member of a defense that, that posted 10 shutouts, and they won two Southern Conference Tournament Championships and were ranked number sixth in the in the coaches' poll, which for a school like UNC Greensboro is, is pretty good. And then lastly, they finished by selecting Boston College midfielder Amos Shapiro-Thompson, 73rd overall. He played for three years at BC, six goals and five assists, uh, including two goals and three assists in this past year. He is from Massachusetts. He played in MLS Next, MLS Next, with the Revs for three years. So the Revolution did not see a path for Shapiro Thompson to become a, a pro player, uh, and he still may not. But nevertheless, um, here he is. So three warm bodies, Joe. Anything much more than that? Three warm bodies. Uh, I think it's worth taking note of Haddock, uh, considering there are a lot of goalkeepers that uh, Red Bull 2 have looked at from the academy over the last couple of seasons. So uh, maybe they see something in him that puts him above that uh, at this point in his career. Uh, and uh, I think Amos Shapiro-Thompson is the kid that was playing for the Leg Legia Warsaw oh, really? team and scored against Juventus. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here. Um, I think that's it. When we're There's back on two. when we're back on seeing red, we're going to uh, have a little Sasha question appreciation session, and then we'll get to your emails. Keep it here. You're listening to Seeing Red. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Back on Seeing Red, the New York Soccer Roundup, where we're getting ready for the start of training camp this Saturday. And um, I'm kind of curious if they keep the lid on everything throughout the entire preseason like they did last year. In a world where, while there's certainly COVID around and has rebounded a little bit, that I know there are plans to open the training facility. So I'll be very, very curious to see what kind of access we get to the team before two days before the first game of the season. This year, they're going to block us from being able to see even ourselves in the mirror. That's it. We That's cannot it. be seen. We can't, we can't see them. We can't see ourselves. <laughs> it's a brand new world. All right. Um, Earlier today, Sasha Klustian announced his retirement from the game of soccer as a professional. And, and I don't know if you watched any of Fox's um, social content during the World Cup, but, but Klustian was a regular there, was working for Fox at the World Cup, and I thought he handled himself really well. I think he has a very 
uh, affable personality and did well. But I think we really have to have a true appreciation for this guy who in three seasons with the Red Bulls at the height of their powers, um, all Question did was set the all-time assist record uh, for the club. And it and and at a time when player when the attacking core was Mike Rella and Lloyd Sam and Bradley Wright Phillips, um, Question and Felipe and Dax McCarty and then later Tyler Adams became really the the central the best central triangle in the league, especially in that 2015 Shield season. Um, Question came back to MLS straight to the Red Bulls from Anderlecht. He's a Seton Hall man, so he has a lot of ties to the area. Um, grew up in, in California and finished his uh, playing career with the L.A. Galaxy. Um, ha- has aspirations to be a coach. Um, he was on the 2016 Best 11, a 2016 All-Star. He led all of MLS uh, in assists uh, twice in 16 and 17 with 20 assists, which I believe was a record at the time and, and still may be, but, um, again, the, just, uh, a, a phenomenal, very sharp player. Um, he, he, I think rode a wave of perhaps being, um, in his mind, having a bit of a chip on the shoulder on teams that have their chip, their, uh, the chips on their shoulders, which I think was really the mark of those Jesse March teams. He really kind of personified that. He did play with the U.S. men's national team. He did not make a World Cup team. Um, but I don't know, Joe. He was an important player in Red Bull's history, even he, even though he was only here for three years. Um, clearly the most effective midfielder from a stat standpoint ever. Yeah, I, I think that those – those years where he was running the offense uh, were some of the best that we've ever seen uh, for this team. Um, yes, he had uh, great personnel around him, but uh, his knack for uh, being able to beat the back line uh, with a, a through ball uh, was, was beautiful. And um, I think, you know, he's not, cer- he's certainly not a speedy midfielder, um, no. And I think the way that he was able to sort of operate and kind of float around and, and find his place in the offense was always really fun to watch. Uh, and when people talk about maybe what's missing from the Red Bulls now, it's that kind of play. There's a lot of, of uh, there's a lot of analysis about the Red Bulls and, and how they create chances just through the press. Um but a big part of that is once you recover the ball, being able to quickly read the field and transition. And that uh, was something that he did uh, phenomenally well. And, you know, maybe a little bit of a sour taste in some Red Bulls fans. Mal says his last season was a little bit rough. Um, don't know if he was a great captain, but he was a great player. Yeah, and I think we can't um, forget his last appearance for the Red Bulls in the 2017 MLS Cup playoffs where the last act was getting into a fist fight with Josie Altidore in the tunnel at BMO Field in a game that New York needed to win 
um, and took himself off, took himself out of the picture. And that was a phenomenal 2017 team. And it was, um, it was one of two red cards that he picked up during his time in, in New York. He was a fiery player, but, uh, I think closing his Red Bull career in kind of an ignominious way like that, I think left a lot of people wanting. And then he was traded for Tommy Redding and Carlos Rivas at the start of 2018. And, um, it, which given those two players contribution to the best team in MLS history up until that point, it, he really was traded for, you know, a bag of balls. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't know if he was happy to go. I don't know if it was his wife perhaps wanting to get out of the cold winters in New York and wanted to get somewhere warm. Um, yeah, he was a, he was a prickly player. He, he, yeah. he, often felt that I think he had all the smarts and all the ability to see the field and um, he wasn't to be questioned about his abilities. I, I, I He was a very prideful guy and a, a likable guy when he was in a good mood, but when he was not, it was, <laughs> uh, it was evident. I, I yeah. and I've said this on this show, I remember very clearly asking him after that 2017 season, before we knew he would be leaving, what did he learn in his first year and only year as Red Bull's captain? And he said, nothing. Yep. I was in the room for that. <laughs> because I guess he felt that he got this. Yeah. It was a very strange statement coming from a guy who played on Jesse Marsh teams that, you know, Marsh is always learning. He, he will be very admit, you know, he would admit very openly that, you know, everything's a learning opportunity. And for, yeah. for question to say, no, I didn't learn a thing was just a stunning addition yeah. to me. Yeah. There was a moment earlier in the playoffs. Uh, I think it was after the first Toronto leg. Um, I, I could be wrong about the timing. Uh, I do. I wrote an article about it at the time, uh, but uh, he had a, a sort of Rafa Marquez blaming the rest of the team quote mm. that uh, will always stick in my head. But, uh, I mean, the 2015, 2016, 2017 teams were so fun, and a large part of that was his contributions. Yep. That was the Red Bull team that actually finished sixth in the East. They went to Chicago in the knockout round. At the time, There was it was just one knockout round in the playoffs. They smashed the Chicago Fire and Dax McCarty 4-0, which was, um, I think, bittersweet. <laughs> uh, Chicago at the time was desperate to have a team of Dax McCartys. They only had one of them. Yeah. Um, then they they hosted Toronto. They dropped the first leg 2-1, and then they went to Toronto, and Bradley Wright Phillips got that late goal, as we always do in the playoffs. We get a late goal. And the red and they needed one more goal and they didn't have Sasha question and they wound up going out on away goals uh, after a two, two aggregate uh, series tie. So um, that was the Toronto team that won their triple and was their best team ever. And the red bulls gave them the hardest time of any of their playoff opponents. So um, again, uh, Sasha question retiring from the game. He has a ton of opportunities ahead of them. Whether it's in coaching, whether it's in broadcasting, 
Um, smart guy, hanging it up. Uh, thank you for, for everything, Sasha. Uh, you were an interesting, intelligent, prideful player uh, that has a very, very important place in, uh, in Red Bull's history, Joe. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, my, my Sasha memory that I, I will always keep. Um, it was the four nothing stupid hot game in the middle of July against, uh, city for, or for nothing for one. I think Tommy, uh, what's his face had a goal in that one. It was that looping goal from outside. Uh, but there was just this beautiful ball that he played to Bradley that completely like, destroyed the New York City back line. Uh, and it perfectly encapsulates uh, his ability, his vision, uh, and what he could do when he was on the top. Yep. That uh, I, I want to recant um, in that Red Bulls game at... It was the, Royer, right? At the playoff game at Toronto, uh, Bradley Ray Phillips scored in the 54th minute. So there was plenty of time. New York held Toronto in that game to a single shot on goal. Um, and that, you know, that was their big Giovinco year and, um, they were, you know, they were the best team in the league that year. So, all right. Thank you, Sasha. Let's move on. Uh, an email this week from, pardon me, Chris Brandon Whitaker, who writes, Mark and Joe, thanks for dropping the holiday hot stove before the holidays. So now that the 23 schedules out, who would, what would be your ranking for Red Bulls rivalries in terms of intensity Coming into the season, um, the four the four rivalries or two and a half rivalries, maybe three complete rivalries: <laughs> DC United, NYC, FU, as Chris says, Philly, and the Revs. So, um, curious what your thoughts are how how you would rank the the red hot heat for those rivalries. Um, <laughs> okay, so I guess it's it. it sucks that it's going to be in this order because DC should always be at the top of this list. But if we're just talking about coming into this season, I mean, DC was abysmal. Um, and so any sort of uh, hot fire towards that matchup is severely diluted. Yeah. Um, I mean, you gotta, you gotta stick with city. They're the closest. Um, they obviously won uh, the Hudson river Derby last year. Um, Philly is Still, I, I, I don't necessarily think of them as, uh, a rival, but they certainly think of the Red Bulls as a rival. It's time, a, here, it's time to stop that. They, yeah. they, they are a rival. I'm sorry. I, I you know, we can talk about playoff after playoff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this is a rivalry. They're an excellent team. They're the model franchise in the East. They were a hair from winning MLS Cup. Um, the, they are, they get up for it like it's a rivalry, and it's about time that Red Bulls do as well. Yeah, that that's the thing that they need to do. They actually have to rise for that. Uh, and the Revs, uh, classic kind of rival, but I don't think it really exists anymore like that. So do you put DC third or fourth on this list? Uh, they would go third. Third. So, so City, Philly, DC, and Revs. That's correct. All right, I'll allow it. Um, Chris asks, where do the non-regional rivalries against Atlanta – and fill in the blank rank. Do we have uh, another regional? Is Cincinnati now a rival? I mean, consider- I mean, they 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 do the same thing that Philly does, where they play them tight every time, and uh, they've got a big win over them in in the playoffs. I don't think that it's quite rivalry uh, level yet. 
Uh, but it could get there. It's something that could get over the line. Lastly, Chris wants to know, um, what should the name of our rivalry with Philadelphia be? Other regional foes, we have the Atlantic Cup, the I-95 Derby. Do we, do we really call it the I-95 Derby with, with the Rams, I guess? The Hudson River Derby. What about the NJ Turnpike Crash? Any suggestions? <laughs> Thanks, uh, as always, Chris from Kingston. What, what can we call the New York-Philly uh, rivalry? There's got to be a bagel thing in here, right? Because they've got the cream cheese, but we've got the bagels. Oh, I like that. Right? I like that. Um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with it, but, uh, you know, I'll work on it. There's a college football rivalry that I think is called good old-fashioned hate. Um, <laughs> so I, I, do you call it the, Devo, the Delaware River rivalry? That's, you know, that's that's the river that you cross yeah. to go over their bridge. I don't know. I'm the, I, I got a funny face, folks. Uh, the, uh, you know, the forget about it rivalry. I don't know. Forget about it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll have to stew on it. Yeah, we'll think about it. That's a quality in season form email. Uh, and that brings us to the end of episode 516 for seeing red again, when we have access to the players, you will have access to the players through seeing red. Um, Joe, any thoughts on what we'll see next from this team? Who's the next signing here? What, what, what do we do? Oh, boy. Um, my, I, I wish that there's a off season where I could, you know, say lots of nice things about uh, everyone that's coming in, and it seems like the team's locked in. Uh, but, you know, this is <laughs> year four or five of, eh, I don't know, uh, Hang on to your hats, guys. Have fun. Try not to get too angry or serious about it. It is just a game. Um, and, uh, yeah, and enjoy yourself the best you can. It's not it, – there's a lot of uh, kind of wanting on, on the boards, mm. whether it's the team has lost ambition, whether it's Struber isn't a good coach, whether it's Hamlet should be removed, whether it's, you know – Austria hath forsaken us. It's too early to be thinking this way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we wait till the season starts? Can we wait till 10 games into the season to think this way? We have to tank our expectations early. That way, when they come out of the gates and win a couple of games, then we're excited hey. again. Yeah. But start start low. All right. We will be back soon, folks. For Joe Goldstein, I'm Mark Fishkin saying thanks for listening to episode 516 of Seeing Red. We'll be back soon. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Seeing Red. Get us anywhere you get your podcasts and always at seeingredny.com. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.